Hello, and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the final episode of 2020. I'm assuming everyone's favorite year. This is episode 206. I'm your host, Chris Sands, and today I'm joined by... I mean, I would say the renowned George Burton from <laughs> Black Flag Brewing Company. Chris, thank you so much for having me on. Glad we could be spending uh, a little bit of the holiday season together chatting about what we both love so much. Yes, not not only is this going to be the last episode of 2020, we're recording this on Christmas Eve. It's such a special event. It's a good day for a beer and a chat, if you ask me. And I didn't, I didn't pour anything beforehand since I've been rushing because I was ill, adv- ill prepared for today. Um, I think we're off to a good start. I, I think so. We're doing great. You are at least, um, and cool. that's the beauty it. of this. At least my guests keep uh, things <laughs> on track for me during this. So I, I know you, you kicked off with an IPA. I'm gonna, yes, I did. I'm gonna kick off with. The um, this is a a pretty new sour, right? The cranberry lime ginger sour. Yeah, we just uh, dropped that one last week. Um, it went into distro. Um, it's a little bit of a variant on our lime sour, which has been really popular for us. Um, but we wanted to do a little holiday riff. You know, sours these days do pretty well year round, but obviously the summer months and the warmer months do better. So we're like, yeah, we we need to do a kettle sour, but let's uh, let's do one that's a little more holiday theme. So we kind of went for that uh the classic lime spritzer drink with cranberry and ginger. So it drinks pretty light, really clean. It's a good, good sipper. There is a unmistakable uh, aroma of lime coming off of this bad boy. How, How many pounds of lime did you put into this? Honestly, I don't really know. We use our lime from Araza up out of Hagerstown. I, um, I'm very familiar with them. They're great. Yeah, he's they're, actually been on before. Great, we're, great guy. We're, we honestly, that their lime puree is, I think, what has made like our lime sour series. It's just so consistent. It's like very bright and acidic and adds a ton of tartness to um, the base beer. So we've just been digging it. So yeah, we we use their lime. Um, we use some cranberry, and we added a little bit of like a ginger soda kind of flavoring to it to give it a little bit of that nice little undertone pop. Um, how, how many pounds of cranberry? I don't actually know the weights on the. Ah, damn it, George! I'm, I'm trying to. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. For the pureed bombs, right? I feel yeah. like fruit weight matters a lot more. That one's yeah. more trying to be like a cleaner goes. So, all right, I'm it's a, not a very fun number. I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I'll come clean. <laughs> I'm glad it's expressing I'm, well. I'm I'm purely trying to bait you into because you've been seeing. Yes, I'm, I'm infamous for calling <laughs> or for requesting people's uh, weights on their fruit yeah. puree bombs. <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> uh, I I poured it way too aggressively, so I can't even get a drink yet. The the head <laughs> is ridiculous. So I'll report on the flavor. Once, getting a getting a good head on the uh, on the gozes and the kettle sours can be kind of tough with all that acidity. You got to use quite a heavy protein malt base in the mash. So. Good to hear that the head's looking nice. <laughs> uh, it, well, I mean, I can't tell for sure because I decided to drink this out of a horn. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, I was fortunate where my uh, 
my my black flag snifter was ready to go. So, but I I went to I take it on brand. I went to take a drink, and there's nothing but head there. So I assume <laughs> if I could see through this, um, it yeah, ten percent liquid. It would be the equivalent of a 2020 pour. Yes, it would be the classic 2020 pour meme. Which I would like to drink out of the the 2020 glass that you guys made, uh, but that yeah. uh, that unfortunately that one up. That unfortunately is um, in my office, so I cannot enjoy out of that. So I will enjoy out of a horn. <laughs> I think it's I think it's seasonally appropriate. I'm gonna do it. That's what I feel like. Um, so uh, what are we talking about? I don't even remember now. Um, <laughs> You don't know the poundage of fruit in this beer, uh, so you let me I, down there. Yeah. Yep. We'll <laughs> um, see if I can go over ten today. Yeah. So, can you tell me what do you do for Black Flag? Um. Yeah. I technically, at this point, I am the sales manager. So I do all of our self distro into Moco. I uh, am the person of contact for our distributor backup beverage, who does the rest of Maryland, including the Eastern Shore. Um, up in the north, the south, I mean, quite literally the toll of Maryland outside of MoCo. Um, on top of that, I help in um, our like production scheduling. Uh, I kind of come up with the majority of our beer concepts um, and a lot of the design of like, you know, the hop varietals, what kind of fruits we're adding, um, the timing on when beers should be released based on seasonality and things like that. Kind of just working with the head brewer um, and kind of putting that schedule together. So yeah, really kind of sales management creative direction kind of that bag so to say so a jack of all trades somewhat <laughs> um you know we're it's a small business yeah, so well, yeah, i was I gonna I say mean, like any small business yeah you're doing I, a whole I bunch of different as things. well i delivered yeah. a moco when need be usually once every other week or whatnot um so yeah honestly however i can help out i do pack out sometimes when we're we're a man down in the brew house um so yeah, whatever need be done. That's kind of why I like it, though. It just keeps it super dynamic. I'm doing something different every day. Um, this beer is absolutely delicious. Cool. It feels ridiculous drinking out of a horn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just got this from uh, Dan at Full Tilt, so I wanted oh, to. Oh, cool! I, yeah, I don't think I've never I drank like out it. of a horn before. So I, my <laughs> sister got me one once. Um, mm-hmm. It's on the shelf behind me somewhere. Maybe I'll get it during a break. Where it's like some kind of customary Scottish bowl that's for drinking stuff out of, but it's <laughs> it's it's more like the cereal bowl hazy IPA. <laughs> yeah, glass, right. But it's yeah, like it's all bowl. bowl yeah, it's yeah. a bowl made out of horn <laughs> with some silver around it and that's stuff. That's cool though. I like it. Uh, but this is just apparently straight horn from Ale Horn. Right. I guess is the company that makes cool. it, but the beer is absolutely delicious. I like that. Nice, despite you not yeah, knowing the power. It's pretty of light, fruit. pretty light and crisp. Um, not a, like a super heavily fruited um goes. I mean, it is a goes. So yeah. um, a little bit of that nice crisp saltiness in there. It pretty- has it has the perfect amount of solidity. I don't like oh, yeah. the like the ones where you're um drinking and you feel like you just got out of the ocean. Um, yeah, or like I need to drink a glass of which I do recommend drinking a glass of water after every beer, but I don't want to feel like I have yeah. to essentially. Yeah, all the <laughs> all the um, moisture hasn't been sucked out of your body mm-hmm. from this. Is, I just feel like I'm getting some extra electrolytes. 
cool. Preparing yeah. myself for the long haul of this interview. It's going to end the day. I mean, I'm sure you got some drinking to do tonight. It is Christmas Eve after all. I <laughs> to get through the rest of the day with my kids asking every 10 minutes if they can open a present <laughs> will um, definitely require some alcohol, I think. Cool. So, so when you're coming up with the beer concepts and ideas that you're pitching to them, are you, what are you basing that on? Are like, are like watching trends of what people are doing, basing, I guess yeah. the, and you're obviously, since you're doing the sales too, you're getting a lot of feedback from mm-hmm. your customers, customers being the stores, uh, restaurants, bars. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it kind of just starts with, uh, what makes sense for like our tap room and what our customers like. And I mean, what does well in our tap room generally translates to what does well out on store shelves as well. Um, But I generally start with like a concept and then we kind of base it around like a price point. Um, So it's like, Hey, we want to make this beer and we want it to be X amount of flavorful or like X amount of ABV or, you know, whatever kind of stats we want the beer to have. We kind of plan that out. And then it's like, okay, like how do I make the most, exciting beer that I think is going to taste the best at a price point that satisfies people. Cause for example, like a lot of our hazies, um, you know, we try to do the 15, $16 four pack, which is a little bit pricey for craft beer, you know, but in the grand scheme of like popular hype, local hazies, 15, 16 bucks, isn't too bad. Um, so I think there's a really fine balance between making like an exciting beer with a fun concept that attracts people um, while also creating it to be flavorful enough without having these 20, $24 four packs. Um, so yeah, generally our goal is to just find a really price effective recipe that we know will excite people and be affordable um, and kind of fit the motif that we've kind of set up over the past few years. I haven't um, paid close enough attention. Have you guys hit that $22 four pack yet? That, so, that seems to be coming a, a a sure, much yeah. more uh common occurrence yeah black mage if i'm not mistaken is a 25 dollar four pack but okay mind you that's, that's... a 12.5 maple bourbon barrel aged stout yeah that so doesn't really, count it's kind of cheap yeah um, that's almost highest would be our barley wine cuvee the diamonds on your time piece that was 22 dollars okay um and then most recently and i think we've had one or two in the past our hazy triple ipas are generally 20 bucks a four pack um, so we have some tap room only beers that don't see very much distro at all. And those do get around 18, 19, $20 a four pack. But as far as things we distribute, I don't think we've had anything unless a store was taking an extra dollar for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't think we've had anything really more than $18 a four pack for some of our doubles. Um, but yeah, the 16, 17, $18 four pack, I think is where black flag kind of wants to max out unless it's something very special or yeah. barrel aged or something crazy. It, it just seems to become like slowly becoming the default price point though. So many, yeah. so many re- releases are falling in that 18 to $22 range. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, I understand it. It's expensive. Some yeah, of these beers that people want, I mean, it's a lot of hops, it's a lot of fruit and another layer to it is it's a lot of risk. When you start putting all these ingredients in a beer, the risk of something not coming out correct increases, which means, you know, it's just a riskier beer to brew. When we brew a batch of Zemo or flagship, it's pretty reliable that the end product's going to be pretty much what we wanted. 
relatively simple recipes. We've been brewing them for a while. You know, you're, if we're doing like positive a on your eat, costing, you're like, it's... Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We know what dosing is going to do what, but when we make some of these crazy sour IPAs and add fruit, you add hops, you add vanilla, you add blah, blah, blah. You know, it just, it complicates the process and increases the risk as well as just the cost of ingredients. So I remember, um, when I first started drinking craft beer though, like going to the store and, like I can't believe I'm paying twelve dollars for a six pack, right? Yeah, <laughs> to where I am now. <laughs> for sure, man. When I first got kind of into craft beer, when I was working at Red in Clarksville, it was like the first craft beer store I was working at. Um, they had Unita Double Detour, and it was a nine percent double IPA, and this thing was eight ninety nine for a six pack, and I was like <laughs> just getting into IPAs. The it was you know it was pretty old on the shelf and just an absolute malt bomb, but. You know, at the time, I was I was making thirteen an hour. That was the absolute yeah. perfect beer for me. It was really hoppy. It was really flavorful, and you got six of them for nine bucks. It was crazy. <laughs> What's the most money you've ever spent on uh, one beer purchase? Bottle, four pack, or a six pack? Hmm, that's interesting. The most I've ever spent probably. I think I spent like $70 on a Canteon bottle at Max's Belgian Fest last year. Okay. I'm pretty sure that would probably be the most I've spent on beer. I've spent, uh, I think I've spent like 150 on a whiskey bottle. Um, but those are rare for me. I'm not going to lie. I drink a lot of free beer. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't, I buy a lot of draft beer. I try a lot, I buy a lot of beer out, but I'm not a huge sit at home and drink really nice beer kind of guy. Yeah. I like it more as that kind of social aspect. I really do. I kind of like going out and chatting with people, drinking beer that other people are making that they're excited about. I like to get excited about what other people are doing. So I've never had a uh, beer from Cantillon. They generally are pretty special, but like many things, um, the hype creates a weird scenario where, Sometimes I just want to enjoy something and not think about yeah. it. <laughs> and it's hard to do with beers like that. It's really hard to do that with a beer you're spending like 70, 80 bucks on. For me, I, other people might be different. but I bought a bottle of Utopias once. Oh, um, cool. Complete waste of money. Really? Okay. I, I've, I've tried it a few times. I like it, but yeah, I don't think I dropped like 250 bones on it. I, I, mean, I didn't even like it. That was the worst. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely, I enjoy it more now. Okay, uh, yeah. but this was back in like 2009 ish. Oh yeah, my palate wouldn't and, have any clue what to do with something like that. And, and mine did not. <laughs> I was thinking you need a double detour. <laughs> I didn't have time for uh for, for something that fancy. Um, so like I took one sip of it. I was like, this is awful. Like that was a complete waste of money. <laughs> so then for the longest time, like people would come over and I would offer them like a snifter, <laughs> like a I, I gave them like Glencairns or tastings mm-hmm. of like it. A little and of like it. they're like, I can't believe you're letting me try this or have some of this. Like, yeah, <laughs> what can I say? I'm generous. Like I'm it's a nice guy. Well, yeah. <laughs> not that it tastes yeah, awful. It's like the people the people that leave like the, the Miller lights in the back of the fridge for guests. Like yeah. nah, Chris, he just leaves a Utopia yeah. in the back of the fridge for the guests. No big deal. <laughs> But yeah, so that I would, that that falls squarely into wasted money though. I yeah, can't. Fair enough. I would say I didn't even enjoy that much. I would think the next most expensive was I bought um, Tactical Nuclear Penguin from Brewdog. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that wait? Was that or was which one was forty one percent? It was either Sink the Bismarck or Tactical Nuclear Penguin. I can't. They both came out at the same time, and I can't mm-hmm. remember which one I ended up buying. 
Did it just taste like straight grain alcohol? Basically, yeah. It wasn't. It was an. It was like that one was like forty dollars, I think, and it was the same. It was thankfully back then, like there was someone. Both of us both got into craft beer at the same time, and we split, like all of our beer purchases. We each of we. Split it's also cost. one of those things you tried it you know yeah i haven't i haven't actually tried one of those like heavily fortified beers yet which kind of surprises me but it's I not really, fortified fortification is illegal really <laughs> yeah good to know oh yeah you can't like a barrel like a barrel aged beer you, there's you can't just like add in they they, <laughs> they, they uh, be like 12 hour mashes or something no cold distilling Okay. So they take the they take the beer, they freeze it, run up, like so. What's uh, left is alcohol, yeah. and then they uh, take out take out what's frozen, which is the water, and they just mm-hmm. keep doing that over and over again until it's concentrated. Cool. I'm waiting for a local to do that. Um, <laughs> now, Utopias though, that is just there's a ridiculous amount of grain. It's a really right. long yeah. mash, and it's probably like. They might even like double mash or something. Yeah, but um, when when Brew Dog was doing those crazy high ABVs, they, they were mm-hmm. cold. They were cold distilling them. That's like the the Snake Venom beer as well, right? Is same situation. Pro, what percentage think, was it? That one I think is like even higher. It's yeah, like the it, most beer in the world. Yeah, it has to, it has to be the done through the same process. I don't well, like. I don't think you could possibly just brew a beer that. Like, I don't think the yeast can stay. Healthy. Yeah something like that there's like a certain i mean certain strains can do better but yeah there's a certain breaking point yeah because even champagne yeast dies out in like 20 some right so this is why i'm the sales guy yeah, <laughs> right? I, mean, yeah hell, sure. I don't even work for a brewery you're, you're i just need it yeah <laughs> um but we're going to take a real quick sponsor break and then oh. we get back. Um, let's talk about some of the things that uh, Black Flag has going on because they always have something exciting going on. Featuring a warm, so we'll be right back. atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, on spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs or one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to mcclintockdistilling.com for more information. 
All right. So we've had um, Brian on in the past. Uh, everyone says you're the way more interesting person. So that's wow, why we're so, t- kind of them. so that's why we're talking <laughs> to you. <laughs> I, to be fair, that is why I was hired. So I feel okay about that. <laughs> if um, I wasn't too interesting, I probably wouldn't be doing a good job. So, um, so he, he gave us the whole story about our, the, uh, although actually I think I forgot all of it. Um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> but, but, of and for some reason I'm incapable of remembering the where the name black flag came from so i think it was which i like this story because it's kind of a good irony that i think everyone appreciates even though it's like kind of a bash on the company black flag was i think originally it was to wave the black flag and go against convention um you know to just essentially that old saying of waving the black flag and kind of you know walking to your own the beat of your own drum um which is funny because now we just you know produce kettle sours and hazy ipas and you know (laughs) big dessert stouts so um but i guess if you're gonna beat the drum of the people just beat it louder than everyone else so we've been trying to do a good job and make exciting beers that are trendy um and hopefully we're doing a good job to compete with other people producing the same styles that are popular now the thing is though you um definitely prefer malty beers right Malty or the crispy boys. A hundred percent. Um, that is a very, it's a very new shift for me. When I first started working at black flag, um, what, like almost four years ago now, I pretty much exclusively drank like hazy IPAs and IPAs and stouts. Um, but yeah, more and more. And I would say really the start of this year, the shift kind of got pushed to the, the limits even where like now you're like, yes, I absolutely like crave like big Belgian malted beers, um, a little less stuff that's adjuncted, so crisp lagers and stuff. Not as much fruit, not as much sugary stuff. Yeah. Um, that being said, I still, I genuinely still like fruit puree beers. Like, give me four ounces, give me eight ounces in a glass, and I'm gonna love it while drinking a lager. Um, but a lot of the heavy dessert stouts are kind of wearing on me these days. Um, if it's barrel aged and super high ABV, to where like six ounces is almost all you need. Super into it. I love kind of sharing those type of beers but yeah if i'm like going out to drink i want like an esb and like a amber lager and like a pilsner and you know something some along those lines i think that's what it is. i need to stop saying i dislike stouts because mm-hmm. I, I often say that um and it's not that i dislike them and i think what you just said is a perfect example it's i can sit and enjoy a stout with other people but i don't think i would ever in my life sit down on the couch to watch football or something right. and reach for a dessert stout to drink. It's too much, man. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it literally makes me sleepy. Like I'm not even joking. They just, all the sugar just makes me sleepy these days. Um, and a good, an example of like a stout that I genuinely really do enjoy, um, elder pines, chin chin. It's like a dry Irish stout and it just has like a really rich, complex malt kind of backbone to it. Not too roasty, um, but just really clean 7%. So not, huge but by no means small um and it kind of just checks all the boxes of what i want in just like a stout to drink so. rockwell has a great irish stout too cool so does Jugbridge makes some good stouts awesome yeah but yeah, yeah I so think i'm um, never gonna just go pick up a bunch right. of stouts and, just and sit around and enjoy them like, you know, the reason we make dessert stouts, it's not necessarily because like everyone at Black Flag just loves dessert stouts. Um, but when you just look at how things sell, dessert stouts sell super well. So, you know, what do we do? Just make 
a normal stout over and over again that might do okay? Or do we make a stout that like people are buying and getting excited about? So, you know, it's all a balance. We try to do, I feel like Black Flag does a decent job at having like pretty simple traditional beers, but also making some of the stuff that is more fun and whimsical and modern. Um, but it's a balance, you know, because, you know, I like drinking multi stuff and we don't do a ton of multi stuff, but there's enough fluttering here and there where I'm pretty happy with it. I feel like, um, Black Flag has recently, and recently is probably like in the last year now because I, I have no concept of time anymore. Sure. Yeah, it's um, uh, the last year is a long year. Has, yeah, goodbye 2020. Last episode, 2020. Next year is going to be amazing. See, I should have had you on next year. <laughs> Because then, then we could save it for next year. <laughs> we could have celebrated well, we recorded that January first, guys. No yeah. problem. <laughs> um, that you guys have leaned more towards the whimsical, fun type of craft beer world than you had previously. Is but, that actually no? I guess maybe you kind of always were. I would I would say it for me, like being on the inside, it doesn't feel like it's changed much. Um. I think the the sheer volume of beer we're putting out has changed dramatically and the sheer number of SKUs has changed dramatically. And I think maybe that's what it is, that it's just there's there's always something new. So it like it's Yes. It definitely sometimes it's hard for me to keep up. Um it, we release like a new beer almost every week. Um sometimes it's a big hazy double IPA, sometimes it's just like our vanilla porter. But we, we always have like a new beer coming around. So I think you know, and maybe that's the goal is optically, it looks like, oh, Black Flag always has something new and exciting. And um, the hope is that it's always new and exciting. But, you know, at least we're kind of able to convey that to people that it's like, oh, keep your eyes peeled. Something is on the way, even if it's not the most exciting thing that week. Yeah. Um, and it's getting competitive. Like, you, I, I hate to say it, but like the sheer quality of beer is almost secondary to like having the imagery and the excitement behind it. Because pretty much everyone's making pretty damn good beer in the state right now. Like, yeah. yeah, there might be some breweries that I prefer or I think are consistently doing a little bit better. But, like, everyone's doing a pretty good job at making good, clean beer. So it's like, okay, if everyone's making good, clean beer, how do you sell your good, clean beer better than someone else? You know, and that's where it comes down to kind of those optics and trying to, like, be a, a, an important kind of member of the community as well. Yeah, when everyone is, like, that, that's a really good point when everyone's making really good beer, you have to do something to stand out. Like mm -hmm. at that point you can't just survive. All, yeah. 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 Like having good beer isn't good enough. Like, well, even if you have great beer, that's not yep. necessarily good enough because they're like Maryland beer has matured enough that mm -hmm. there are a long list of breweries in Maryland, just creating amazing beer and doing the same thing black flag is doing re releasing something new every week yeah, sometimes multiple sure. things every week and it is yeah it, it's been exhausting to try to keep up with that <laughs> for sure Matt. It, re it really does get a little exhausting and i think that's where um consistency has mattered a lot and i've seen a lot of of our fans say that they feel like we're just we've been very consistent like you don't really get too many beers from us that are kind of whips. That um, that's a good point because there are there are definitely some breweries in Maryland that make amazing beer, right. but it's kind of it's kind of analogous to that home run hitter. Like right. they go up and they swing for the fence on every single one, and sometimes they hit a fly ball, but when yeah. they hit it, it's a grand it's slam fantastic. for sure. Yeah, it's um. 
you know, I, I think the public has also kind of been honest in the perception of how everyone's advanced. Um, I think like a year ago, people would have been, would have had an easier time making a claim on who they think is the best in the state. But it's like every day, I think it gets harder and harder to make that claim. I, I um, would refuse to answer that question. I, I don't yeah, think and, there is anyone that makes the best beer in Maryland. Right. And I think it's on, on top of that in another layer, I think we're getting to a point where brands kind of have to really hone in on what not only their skill set is, and that might not even be the right word at all, but almost like what their customer demand is. Like, hey, what have we done that we've done well that people want more of? And how do we segue like our production and what we do to ensure that we're like meeting that demand, we're advancing that initial idea and really giving the people what they come to our brewery for, you know? And yeah. if you're someone like Black Flag, that's probably a hazy IPA. If you're Elder Pine, that might be a really good Saison or a killer lager. If it's full tilt, it might be that next crazy candy jam, it, you know, like, but I think the breweries that really hang on to that and pay attention to like, yo, this is what people want. Are you Let's saying kind of like a, a group of releases that have warheads, airheads and <laughs> other candy yeah. canes in them? Something like that. It's something just like that. <laughs> I, I, I unfortunately don't have those. Maybe just I would in just, time for Christmas too. Yeah. I would, I would just grab them, but I don't have them close enough to just grab. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I think, I think, as more and more beer floods the market from out of state, from in state, people are really going to have to figure out their identity and really roll with it. I think that's like my my winter Christmas advice for my fellow local breweries. And I think having a strong identity to begin with is important. Yes. You can't mm-hmm. just be a brewery sitting there putting out beer. I completely agree. Like, when I think of like the breweries that – it's not necessarily that they're the best, but the breweries that I think are getting the most social media coverage by patrons. If you think about those breweries, they really do have a strong identity and it's almost like, it's not even close. Like, you know, elder pine, sapwood, silver branch, black flag. Like when I think of these brands, it's like, Oh no, I know exactly like what their wheelhouse is and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty powerful. So how, um, how do you decide what you're going to make again? So, cause black flag definitely is a brewery that brings back beers again. Yes. So many breweries, if you had that beer that you loved, you may never see it again. It's probably not going to come back, but like t- takeout is the one example I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. You came out with that at the beginning of when, this dumpster fire of a year. Um, or yep. actually it was probably a couple months into was, lockdown. Yeah, I think it was May or something. Yeah. yeah I mean, pretty early on. Um, but then you rebrewed it again. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that based on customer demand of wanting it? Or when you made it, you just knew this is a phenomenal beer. We're going to have to make this again. Yeah, I, I think you really take into account like every factor, genuinely. Like, how much did the team enjoy the beer? How much are customers in the tap room and buyers in the market saying that it did well for them? Um, and I mean, just we are a business. Like, do we have access to more of these hops? Was the margin on this beer pretty good that would warrant a rebrew? Because there are some times where we brew a beer and we kind of ignore some of the cost restrictions like, Hey, we're going to take a small loss on revenue for this because we just need to do this. Yeah. A good example is like the, the triple IPA that you have superhero. 
um, out of shape superior that we did with Ben Little. That beer was a little over price point, but we just wanted to add those hops. We I did not that. bring that into the lineup to drink today because that was, a, that, was a, that was a little too uh, that was a little too high octane for me to for down sure. during this. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, we look at you know how think, did it sell super fast? Are people asking us again and again to bring the beer back? Did we really like the beer? Um, and we kind of factor all that stuff in, and it's like yeah, like we need another West coast IPA. People are asking for this one. We got the hops in house. That batch of strata hops was great. Let's rip it again. Um, I love a good West coast IPA. So mm-hmm. good. So interesting to talk about, like I love West coast IPAs too. Um, but it's a reality. Like, why don't we make a ton of West coast IPAs? Right. Cause we make a little bit here and there, but you look at like, even when we release takeout next to a hazy IPA, the hazy IPA sells twice as fast. Oh, Just, really? straight up sells almost twice as fast so it's like yeah we still want to do a good amount of west coast but we can't just like throw them out there and yeah. throw them out there. we need to make sure things are moving and staying fresh and all that so i think um a big problem i find with my perception of beer especially now that i interact with so fewer people is yeah. that i i guess i'm part of the feedback loop now like I'm mm-hmm. only talking mainly to people who work at breweries or super sure. into beer. Yeah. And so many people in that group are burnt out on drinking hazies sure. yep. and go cycling back to that's, West Coast like IPAs. Because me not doing tastings, like that was kind of my pulse on the market. I would do a tasting. Yeah, what the normal people drink. Every week. And yeah, I, I taste a hundred people in a night they don't even know what a hazy IPA is, but they're tasting a hazy and they're like, Oh, whoa, this is crazy. This like, isn't bitter. It's like really smooth. And like, I kind of like it. Let me grab one. And you know, you kind of, it kind of keeps things in perspective being able to talk to, you know, the regular Joe that just is coming by. He's getting a 30 rack of Miller light and he wants to try out a new local IPA or, you know, some, some lady comes by and he's, she's like, Hey, I need, you got any fruited sours? I'm looking for something fruity or, Hey, I like big stouts. What do you got? And it's like not being able to have those interactions with people definitely makes it a little, a little tougher to okay, where the market's trending, what kind of the lay person wants to drink and you know, all that kind of stuff. Just being able to interact directly with consumers makes such a big difference. Yeah. Cause even like you're, you're definitely um, very involved in Maryland beer drinkers group. Mm-hmm. But that gives you almost no information, and that yes well, and no. But I, mean, I agree. It's, it's like it's, it can be a deceiving, and it, the information yeah. you get can be wrong because it, it's it's a tiny little segment of everyone buying beer. Well, and they're not one. they're not normal beer drinkers. No, anyone that not. searches out um, a beer drinking group on social media is not a normal beer drinker. Yeah, and while definitely... while they may follow some of the same trends and do like buy the same things it's not real it's not the same as you pulling up a stool at a at a liquor store and doing samplings for the average person Mm -hmm. that just does not care at all where their beer came from they just want a beer they just want to drink a beer they want the price to be right and they want it to taste like something they want to taste so so like for sure that that's good research for passionate beer drinkers and people who know a lot about beer but it's not a good sampling of what the larger market is yeah if um if maryland beer drinker was the was the indicator of the market i don't know if duclaw would be in operation but duclaw makes pretty good beer and they do extremely well in market yeah um 
So it's like, yeah, take everything with a grain of salt, so to say. Um, but I do enjoy the antics on Maryland Beer. I think over the past year, it's gotten a little more friendly and people are really being positive and supportive yeah. of brands. Um, the one thing I'll say on Maryland Beer to my fellow brewery uh, members, please start posting your beers. Use it as a marketplace. I don't want to be the only guy posting all my beers <laughs> for sale. Trust well, me, seriously, post your beers. People love it. They do. And I think that's a, a lot of and what I've heard from people in the industry mainly is that they don't want to look be looked at as like a shill or yeah, totally. like as self-promoting. And I like I um I struggle with that too. Like I like to share episodes of Uncapped in the group or stuff, but I still like every time I do it, I pause and stop um and think like I don't I don't want to be coming off as like self promoting or something. Yeah, I, and then I and then I just look at it from like no I'm not promoting myself. I'm trying to promote the brewery that I'm talking to. Like exactly, it's yeah. it's more I care more about getting that brewery story out than I'm promoting myself whenever I post it. So and I agree with you. I think more brewery should because then because a lot of people that's where they're getting their idea of yeah. what's coming out. They might not even know about it. They might not follow your brewery page on Facebook, but they're on MB Beer. Yeah, I think um, I think if people realize that, hey, if someone finds it annoying that you're, like, posting or self-promoting, they're just going to ignore the post and move on. Like, yeah. It's, well, it's some, people, day. some people won't just ignore it, but I've never gotten any, any negative commentary from posting as much as I do, and I'm a bit of a frequent poster, so. Um, I'm a head out smells yes. absolutely amazing i was really I, happy with how that one turned out i was about to pour it into the horn but i feel like i need to get a proper glass to it, drink it this one nice. it, it has a nice saturation on it so i'm yeah. thinking i'm thinking night now might be a good time to make it take uh, another quick sponsor break so oh. i can go acquire um some glassware to We're drink good. this one out of so we will be right back awesome there are many reasons why I've chosen District East for where I purchase beer. I love the flexibility of being able to make a custom six-pack or take home a crowler from one of the eight beers on tap. Their friendly and knowledgeable staff do an amazing job at keeping a diverse selection on hand. You can even purchase artwork from the monthly featured artist. District East is located on Northeast Street in Frederick in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. You can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer To all you craft breweries, wineries, and distilleries out there, listen up. Atlantic Custom Solutions is the real deal in providing you branded growlers, ceramics, glassware, and accessories like koozies, coasters, and keychains. Their high-definition digital printing, organic ink, and low-fire process ensures your brand is printed in ultra-high definition, giving you a one-up on the competition. We've used Atlantic Custom Solutions for uncapped branded glassware and couldn't be happier with it. Check them out. Visit www.brandmybeverage.com or give them a call at 434-286-4500 to learn more about how they can help you brand your business. So I, I have my awesome zooted glassware nice. glass to drink out of, which is one of the perfect ones for this. I like, I, I like uh, that glass. I'll tell you right now, I'm not a big fan of the crazy glassware phase of, uh, of beer, but that one actually has some practicality to it. Well, it, so I like, like that. sitting and drinking out of it. It's amazing too. 
Um, yeah. There is a slight glugging issue when it gets down to here. Mm-hmm. What I'm worried about is I don't know the status of the cleanliness of this glass because uh, I just pulled it off of the shelf behind me. I did not put it on that shelf, unfortunately. Um, so that means it was somewhere where my wife didn't want it to be. And um, oh, there's minimal bubbles. Maybe I did clean it. Oh, we're actually, we're good to go. Nice. It's looking well, good. I won't get shamed. Um, yeah, that, yeah. Um, that IPA was a little bit of an ode to the uh, IPAs of past. Well, I saw Simcoe and Citra written there. It's and... like that that hop duo just reminds me of like 2014 to th- 2016 so much. That You were right. That is a pretty beer. I should have saved this for a photo. <laughs> I can always oh, get you another one. Look at that. We have, more haze. we have more haze coming down the line. That is pretty. Nice pour. Yeah, it fits perfect. That's and that's another great thing in this glass. I think it is It's a sixteen. Yeah, it's, it's um, like eighteen ounces. Yeah, it's know. eighteen ounces. So you can awesome. aggressively pour into yes. it. It has the whole thing. You I'm can a big sit, fan of the aggressive pour. You can sit lounge on the couch and the large top bowl makes it easy to just drink out yeah. of. I love this glass. Cool. Well cheers. Cheers. So I'll get I'll give another zooted glassware. Search him out. Everyone, check it out. He makes a. He was a guest a few episodes ago. Awesome guy. Makes beautiful. They um, did the uh, giveaway with uh, Saints Row, correct? Correct. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. What were we talking about? We were talking about trends, how you follow them. Um, Yeah. So where? So, you you've mentioned a couple times. Um, the heavily fruited, um, juice bomb beers. Yeah. Um, is that something Black Flag wants to get more into? So we have made a few attempts, um, at doing something to that effect. This beer is so Mm -hmm. good, by the way. Awesome, man. Good to hear. I think, yeah, it has a nice little dankness to it along with the citrus. It's hazy and creamy, but it gives me a little bit of the old school vibes that I appreciate. So, um, this is this is newly released, right? Yes, we just released that one. Um, So this should still be available when this comes out, January thirty first. We we just released that um, in the brewery last Friday, and it went into distro this week. Okay. So, um. All right, sorry I interrupted yeah, you. No, this beer was so for good. The big, for the big fruited <laughs> sours, um, we've done we've done a few. We did the cobbler series, and those were pretty fruited. Um, I mean, it was a lot of pounds of fruit, but it wasn't like a true puree bomb like people are looking for with you know things like the Jabba's or the Dreams or even some of True Respite's new. Um, they're like their taproom only variant was really nice. I forget what it was. Is there like, fruit crushers? Yeah, it was like the one they did just in the tap room, though. Smooth, um, so, smoothie yeah. fruit crushers. Yes, and it was it, you know it just tasted like a mimosa. Essentially, it was delicious. Yeah. It was just fruit puree, very thick and juicy. So we've done a few trying to edge towards that, but we've never pushed the envelope in fears of like cans explosion and whatnot. Um, but we are about to enact a new technique that we've tested now and are pretty confident in. And I, I'm not. I don't know if I can speak more on that yet. Um, but we will be releasing our first true puree bomb 
Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's sometime in February. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah. Or no, my mistake, late January. And it's going to be called Big Fruit. Shockingly, <laughs> that name wasn't taken. That is shocking. <laughs> Blows my mind. So we took it. Um, it's going to be a series of beers. Um, I don't want to give away the first fruit iteration yet, but it's just going to be. You should just tell um, me. Secret. Whisper I'll it just to be, me. I'll just be honest. I don't know what the first <laughs> fruit iteration is yet. Um, I think we just ordered the fruit, though, probably from Oregon Fruits. Um, they do pretty good stuff. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a large, large proportion of fruit puree mixed with a soured ale. How many pounds? So, um, <laughs> a pretty disgusting amount. There will be more puree than beer liquid. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes. Or pretty close to 50-50. It's like a disturbing amount. Yeah. Um, so it will be pretty close to, you know, that kind of thing um, that people are looking for. I hope it takes off well. Um, I don't think the sour trends are going anywhere. So They're we'll, not. We've had a lot of people request that we kind of put out a puree bomb. So we're pretty confident that we can do it and uh, keep the product's integrity safe and not cause any explosions and whatnot. So I'm looking forward to the end of January. So, and that's what you mean by uh, you came up with a process to make them less explodey. Yeah. I mean, nothing that I did myself. Um, Just Brian talking to other people in the industry. Um, I believe, honestly, Ben Little might have given some insight as well. I was going to say it probably because Ben's figured out how to make his less explodey. So we are going to do that and, uh, you know, see see what the customer demand is. We're starting with a small amount. Um, It's going to be taproom only, obviously. Um, It's not going to be a crazy, crazy big batch, but just to test it, see if people are really digging it um, and kind of go from there. But yeah, I mean, it's something I've wanted to do for a while, uh, just a way to kind of push the envelope. I like to kind of push the envelope in each direction. Like, okay, hazies, let's master that. Okay. People want fruit. Let's try to like get the fruit locked down. People want barrel aged cuvées. All right, let's start doing a little more barrel aging and start blending some stuff. So kind of, kind of spreading our reach a little bit and taking a little more risk. Um, but baby steps, we want to keep, we want to make sure like we're producing a good product. Yeah. Um, we, well, even with Ben, the regular Jambas, he said are fairly safe, but mm-hmm. uh, the ones that he did with imprint, the yeah. Shmambas, or is, mm-hmm. is that what they're called? Yeah. Shmambas yeah, so. he said those ones would get explodey. Gotcha. And those ones, I mean, pouring them was like, a fruit smoothie chunk yeah um so the mango one i actually made a milkshake out of it and it was absolutely cool. delicious yeah <laughs> uh, I've, I've had i've had a few of the jambas and they are yes they are exactly what they are and they're very well done well the, i mean the regular jambas are really good but that one he made with imprint where mm-hmm. like it, try the it it's barely liquid <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey man give the like it's it's a classic line from ben all the time to give the people what they want man yeah, and that's what I, that's one of the things I love about Fourscore that they mm-hmm. just Ben knows what his customers want, and that's what he's making. And yeah. God bless him for it, because sure. I fall in line with his average customer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, like you know, everyone knows Ben's capable of making some really good classic styles, and he does. But you know, that's that's again there. that's kind of separation. He's creating he's creating Fourscore to have their own kind of identity and it's clearly working. The hellless lager they make is amazing, mm-hmm. but so is that beer that has ha- is half fruit. 
Yeah, <laughs> and I was enjoying the uh, a lot of the photo age sours that he had. He had a couple yeah. on when I visited, and those were really fun. Yeah, those are like I'm, I they're all good, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so is the um the the long term plan just that like big fruit will be like kind of like Jamba's or Dan's Jams, where it's just you I keep coming out with a different fruit right. release. I could see that. I don't know if that's going to be our direction totally. I mean, it really just comes down to the release. Like, if we release this beer and we have 50 cases in the tap room and we sell all of them out in a weekend, I have no doubts that, you know, we'll be making more. I definitely don't think it's going to be to the frequency and volume of things like the Jambas and the Dance Jams. Um, it might be like a once a month thing or okay. a once every other month thing, but we're definitely, I don't, I don't foresee us having the demand or it being like within our kind of style to just do like multiples again and again and again. Can I um, make a bold prediction? Yes. Uh, they'll sell out fast and people will buy them. <laughs> cool. I mean, I'd love it. I know right? I'm probably I, the I, only I, one that's going to say that. I'm sure. really going out on a limb, but um, I bet people are going to like your fruit juice. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, the, the cobblers did pretty well. Um, so I have, I have hope. I think, something that's even more exciting and spectacular and when we start posting the photos of just like thick rich puree we might we might attract the masses people like a thick boy they do they do indeed <laughs> um what about candy Are you gonna start throwing candy in beer i don't know so part of me is like i don't think it's copycatting obviously if people want to use like you know dan's jams they did really good with candy um duclaw did a nerd's candy uh, True Respite just released a couple candy sours. I'm not saying I wouldn't want to copy anyone, but I feel like candy has kind of been tackled by some local friends. Yeah. So I'd probably steer clear. Um, that being said, name any three fruits that are in puree form from Oregon Fruit. I can assure you that those combination of fruits has already been thrown into oh, the sour. So it's like no one's really being super original anymore. Yeah. Again, it's like execution. Like, is it clean? Is it yummy? Is it true to form? Um but yeah, well, I, I mean, even like, just I mean, look, um, both Idiom and Kushwa just came out with Ambrosia Sours. Dude, that, the Idiom version the Idiom is one's amazing. <laughs> it's like really sweet and rich, but it's not too sweet. Like I could actually drink a can of it and it's rare that I'd want to drink a can of a heavily fruited sour, but like all the fruits like work well, so well. I was blown away. That all one fruits, though, so his... Well. Um, idioms fruited sours though aren't like the puree bombs though. No, 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 no. It's more so, it's more similar to our like cobblers and mako reactor. Yeah, it's, it, like, it's pretty viscous and yeah. pretty heavy, but it's not just like a saturated bomb. Yeah, but yeah, I mean it's very sweet and rich and and uh, tart. Yeah, I mean, it was, but it was it, great. I was really impressed with that one. Like those ones, I feel like you could you could put down two. You may not necessarily want to, but you could put down two. Right. Yeah, um, they're drinkable. There's yeah. never a time where I would sit down and drink two dreams. Like it... nah. <laughs> I did that two years ago on my birthday. I drank a whole four pack of the double blackberry or the double black current blackberry one. That sounds bad. I didn't, I didn't feel good. I literally uh, <laughs> didn't feel good that night for pretty obvious reasons. <laughs> well, when, um, I my sister and I had to go up to Pittsburgh um, a couple weeks or a couple months ago, and we stayed at a friend of mine's house. And I had I brought up one of every dance jams that had been released up into 
Oh man. I think there were ten of them. And between the three of us we drank all of them. Oof. And Yeah. My, that was not I the can, best decision I, I'm I ever feeling made. Burned from here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they were delicious. Absolutely, but yeah. It, um, yeah, when uh, I it was I, a less than great decision. <laughs> I first got the uh, the nerds jams. I was pretty blown away. I thought I thought those sours were probably the most accurate to description. Like they literally tasted like nerds candies, yes. and it was almost like weird. I was like, wow, that this straight up tastes like I've never had a beer that straight up tastes like it's trying to taste like. So, although I would I would argue their mango uh, pineapple crisp one was the best one they've made. Okay. I know, like I'm assuming that's yours. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I've only tried a few. I've only tried a few in passing. Not being able to uh with COVID and not being able to go to bars like I used to and like do meetings at tap stations like I used to. Um I haven't been drinking quite as much local beer. I used to be quite an expert and try everything, but it's been tough lately. So bringing that up, um that previously, maybe not every brewery but a decent amount of their business would be putting beer on draft. That mm-hmm. is, I don't know what the percentages are, but they go from a really big drop off to zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how, how have you been able to adapt to that? We've been pretty fortunate. Um, Black Floyd, generally speaking, I think is a little more of a package brewery. Um, we have a core lineup, obviously, but we don't have those very heavily locally recognized or even in a lot of places regionally and nationally recognized beers, like say a duck pin or, you know, monuments rye. So in our purposes, we've, we've been pretty nice with the limited releases do very well in package. A lot of stores want those cans and the cans move pretty well. So we've been pretty lucky to pivot just the majority of our draft volume into extra cans. So just ordering more labels and changing the batch uh, proportions over um, our distributors been pretty nice to us in taking on extra cans. You know, they obviously place an order. They want X amount of cans and X amount of draft um, with this second wave of the COVID shutdowns. They've obviously reduced their draft numbers, but in doing that, they've been willing to pick up more can numbers to compensate. Um, so we really haven't had too much shift in production volume in that regard. Um, we're kind of brewing what we were and just putting it in cans instead of draft. Um, I don't, I'd be interested to see how data would work for some of those brands that are a little more reliant on draft sales. Cause I mean, you go to Baltimore quite literally almost every corner bar has like a duck pin draft line and a monument rye draft line, you know, black Flag's not a brand that necessarily has that. Um, so it, it was definitely easier for us to pivot. Um, yeah. It's, it's more of those, more of the regional size breweries probably got hit much yeah, more I'd on imagine. that. Yeah. Other than like what you were selling through the tap room, right? like that yeah, was... like our tap room draft sales obviously are not doing great, um, but our pickup sales in the draft room are doing pretty well. So we're we're doing okay, at Black Light. How have um, production volumes stayed? Have have they continued to be high, or have you had to cut production? So we're at Black Flag. We kind of just peaked on our production volume earlier in the year, and we've pretty been pretty much been maxing out our batches since. Um, I'm not saying we're at 100% brew capacity, but we're pretty much maxing out every tank like 80, 90% of the time on a beer batch. 
So year over year, we're brewing more beer, okay. um, which has been the trend since Black Flag opened. Every year, Black Flag's just brewed more beer. So I feel like we're very fortunate to not have had a hiccup. We're still like on that trajectory of increased growth. Um, now the margins on that growth are obviously I was just gonna inferior. S- I was just yeah. going to say, unfortunately, it's much yeah. less profitable growth. I mean, you know, there's no there's no need to beat beat around the bush. Selling a seven dollar snifter of a hazy IPA out of the tap room gets you way more money than selling a sixteen dollar four pack. I mean, that's that's pretty straightforward. Um, so yeah, you any know, individual it, can do the math on that and figure out the. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> so you know, it's not like um, it's not like things are too bad for us. But certainly, I think all local breweries are feeling a little bit of the brunt. Um, in our case, the PPE loans helped a lot. We were able to keep everyone employed, helped us transition our production staff. Um, you know, we have a, our new guy, Alex, who started to help brew. Um, so things are going, things are going okay, um, honestly. Things are going okay. I have a lot of hope with the early summer of next year that we really might get back to a place where we're rolling again. Um, it's going to be a cold winter though. And I, I think, I think there's breweries that probably have a little more concern than we do. And I really hope the best for them. And I'm going to personally try to keep supporting some of the little guys, some of the newer brands that are still kind of getting their feet wet in the scene and could use that extra growler sale, could use that extra t-shirt sale. Yeah. You mean like, um, last week's or actually no today, I released the episode today um homemade who just opened two weeks ago yeah, i just i was just there two weeks ago i bought a t-shirt i bought some glassware so yeah yeah i, I love you guys are very cool i bought uh one of their glasses too nice I like, yeah i went i got a, the little sampler one i just okay. need like a little four ounce glass for like some big malt beers so but yeah i, I like their branding a lot it's really clean and kind of modern but it feels homey like it feels like raw and artistic i guess you could say and also like made it. by uncapped sponsor acs brandmybeverage.com cool. nice like how i work that in there <laughs> hell yeah i do um so what would you say is the number one so you see this posted because uh, a million facebook groups have cropped up about at least in frederick they have like mm-hmm. Frederick Local, Frederick Dine Out, all these things. People are always yeah. asking, what's the best way to help your favorite uh, small business? Usually revolving around restaurants and breweries. Mm-hmm. Restaurants are probably the hardest hit in this. Well, restaurants, yeah, uh, movie theaters. Um, so and, high on packaging. Um, so what what would you say is the number one p- way people can help their favorite, make sure their favorite brewery is okay. I think the best way to help your favorite local brewery is to buy like promotional related things. Um, so yeah, buy a t-shirt um, and post about it and share it with your friends and let them know. Um, I think also like buying product, not necessarily for you. Like obviously if you like the brewery, you're going to want to drink their beer, but it's more about like sharing that product. So, you know, hopefully everyone's staying pretty socially distanced this season, but if you're going to hang out with a small group of friends or family, literally just bring a beer from that brewery. Be like, Hey guys, check out this cool beer from this brewery, you know, let people know about the brewery and where they can get it. And it's really just like word of mouth. I I think in a, in the digital age, sometimes that's lost, but I want, I want no one to mistake, like just sharing with your friends, something that you really like and telling them they should try it is a lot more powerful than just making a Facebook post. 
Um, really just engaging with the people around you. Um, now doing Facebook posts and sharing links and all that is super helpful too. Um, just being positive. But I think the best thing is to really share the products with like your tight circle of friends in person to like kind of let them know, like, you know, you're kind of serious about it. This is something you care about. This is something that's meaningful and you like what they're doing. Have, um, have merch sales gone way up? Cause like observationally it yeah. does seem like, uh, brewery merch sales have skyrocketed. Yeah. I, so the one aspect of black flag that I have no hands in the cookie jar of is the tap room with some exceptions, but as far like tap room sales, I don't know what our merch sales look like. Okay. Based on our order sizes though, this year, I would say that, yeah, I would say they're up. I, I, mean, I would definitely say they're up. I mean, us. I'm just basing that on like there are so many. There have been so many more new things. I like, completely agree with and you, yeah. I'm like I'm not a business expert, yeah. but I feel like breweries aren't going to be coming out with new hats, new glassware, right. new this, new that. You don't, you don't just make new swag if you have old swag on the shelf. Yeah, right? you're you not going to do that if you need to fill the void. Yeah, you're yeah. not going to spend the money to buy more to just exactly. sit there. Yeah. Like, no so, breweries putting a hazy IPA in the tank when you still have four on your shelves. So to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's a smart. That's a smart comment. I, I think you're right. Yeah, based. Yeah, because yeah, just going off of like how much inventory I feel like we've brought in. I have to assume like it's going pretty well. Um, we have had a couple deals over the past couple of weeks with swag too. Um, we had like our 12 days of Christmas thing. So we had like a couple discounts over the past couple of weeks, which I know helped move a few extra units. So what yeah, is-, is a great, is a great way to support because you're, you're giving the brewery free marketing. You're wearing yeah. the branding and you paid for it. Win-win for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you've just explained why you would be the wrong person to ask this to. <laughs> Uh, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Yeah. What um, what typically sells the most? Hats, t-shirts, or glassware? Definitely unisex t-shirts that okay. are black for us. Our best seller for, I think we've kept the shirt in stock for three years now. It's just our unisex Maryland flag, black flag t-shirt. Well, that was one thing you never can second guess with a Marylander is that they're going yes. to love the something. Specifically yeah. <laughs> the large size. I'll even add that. Large yeah. <laughs> Um, it, the Marylanders love that flag. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even a native Marylander, and I love stuff with the Maryland <laughs> flag on it. <laughs> yeah. I um, I used to kind of like hate it because it was like it's just like uh, it's like it's so there. But I've kind of come around. I've been in Maryland my whole life. I've never moved anywhere. Else, but then so. you look at it and you realize, no, it's actually pretty cool. It's actually pretty, a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty intricate. It's like colorful and like designed and stuff. You look at other flags and they're kind of blah. So. Yeah, you know, rep it while you can. So one of the editors at the FNP had written an editorial um, disparaging the Maryland flag. And oh my, was it. And oh my, did he catch a lot of flack for that. (laughs) That's hilarious. I mean, I'm going to stop just short of saying he received death threats for it. And he may even have. (laughs) Yeah, not much can come between Marylanders and their flags, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, I think if I owned a business, I would probably just slap the Maryland flag on everything. <laughs> yeah, works. And to be fair, you know, for um for out-of-state people, too, that are visiting, they kind of like it because it's like, oh, it's a little piece of, like, the yeah. state culture as well, you know. So it works out. Yeah, because people do, like, if you're traveling and visiting places, yeah, you like. love getting t-shirts and glassware from a brewery they visited that they'll never be back to, so. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's a good point too. Yeah, I mean, before Untapped, it was uh, you collected coasters, as I understand it. I never got into that. I always the only the only thing I've ever um, collected way too much of from breweries beer. Are, uh, well, no, that's supporting. Um, <laughs> uh, glassware, which is mm-hmm. obviously a current problem of mine. Uh, hats. I have an obscene amount of brewery hats and stickers. Ah, uh, yeah. Like I have stickers that haven't been applied to anything everywhere from that's, breweries. That's I'm jealous. <laughs> I lo- I love stickers. Every time I go to like, it, I feel bad kind of because I'm like a rep. But I try to promote everyone, so I yeah. kind of justify it. But I love just going around and getting a sticker from every single booth there. I'm not going to lie. I love stickers. I don't know. I'd have to dig around a little bit too much, but I'm sure this desk drawer has a huge stack of stickers in it. <laughs> um, so buy merch. Is buy a... merch. Buy merch and share, share that merch with your friends. And share the beer. Buy the mm-hmm. beer and share it. Grab a crowler. Yeah. You don't want Grab to drink a crowler, a... share it with friends. How are crowler sales? So, because you you can pretty much do you release yeah. anything that's not canned? We do. Um, yeah, crowler sales for us are. I don't know if hit or miss is the right term because it's not like it's not surprising. It's like we did the Baja Bell beer that was crowler only. We sold two hundred crowlers in like a day. You know what I mean? Why'd you do um, crowler only for that? It was just a small batch. Okay. So if we um like we have a couple two barrel pilot fermenters. Oh, so that um, was really small batch. Really small. So like it's just it's so inefficient to can off of those. There yeah. might be a chance we do in the future, but just generally speaking, it's so inefficient we would yeah, just not. That makes do that. sense. Um. So yeah. It's a lot um, of work to get the line set up. Exactly. And it's a lot for, of waste. Yeah. So you know if you can sell it all in crowlers, cool. But that was a beer that like crushed it in crowlers. You know we have other beers like that are a little more malty. Like we did a cockbusser beer that was, it's like a French table beer with like honey and molasses or something. I might be completely off on the style by the way, but you know, we only sold a, a few dozen of those crowlers in the day. So the hypey stuff in crowlers does super well. The stuff that's a little more standard or, you know, just like a, a good beer, but not exciting. It might not do as well, but generally crowlers do pretty well for us. We move a good amount. Um, How much? Yeah, not, well, go, go ahead. I was just not not all of our beer does get crowlered. Um, like you said, we package most things, and if we have packages of it, we pretty much uni- you like tell people, hey, just get the go by this. Like to, I and I recognize I am very abnormal for beer consumption or any of my mm-hmm. buying trends, but like to me, a crowler is useless. I don't like I I rarely want a crowler. One because yeah. I'm ridiculous and I'm probably going to take a photo. Mm-hmm. and a crawler just doesn't look cool in a photo as as a can does yeah and then like two especially now like it's rare that i'm gonna drink a whole crawler of something myself one year yeah. like if i'm going someplace yeah I'll, I'll take crawlers of beers to share with people but yeah it's like i don't love crawlers at all and i don't want to be too harsh on crawlers, i mean i like them way better than growlers i loathe yeah. loathe growlers yeah I, it's just i mean at the end of the day we're talking about a product that is so vulnerable to oxygen oxygenation and you can't like when you can a beer you're avoiding the vast majority of that you can't really avoid that when you're crawling you just can't like people can pretend and say and i'm just going to really strongly disagree 
it's just not a great vessel to keep beer stored. Now, if you're getting a crowler and you're drinking it the next day or two, yeah. fantastic. If it's a beer that's not in cans and it's great and you want to take it home, fantastic. But generally speaking, I would pretty much 99 out of 100 times say you should buy packaged beer. Over oh, if, if the option, unless I looked at it and like the can right. was five months old, but then sure. I would just second guess getting anything it from that brewery. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to dismiss Crowlers too much. Um, they're pretty good margins. A lot of breweries have done very well as a result of them. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of breweries that – Due to COVID, crowlers were kind of their lifeline. Well, yeah, because they, they don't—they didn't have any way to so, package. I don't want to be too harsh, but um, generally speaking, as a consumer, away from the business side, I am not a crowler fan. Yeah, I just me, yeah, same with me. me. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if I if I'm at a brewery that doesn't have cans, though, then yes. yeah. yeah. Although if they have a vintage barrel aged stout, and I'm going to a beer share with a buddy or two. Cool, I'll I'll take a crowler of it. But, but that's also why I love the 25 ounce crowler. Yeah. Wait. I just had one of those from Midnight Run, I think. Yeah, well, they, was, they, was it gold? Yeah, and it was really cool. Yeah, I was like, wait, this is like smaller no, than the. Oh no, they're the the twenty five ounce ones. There aren't gold. Their full size oh. ones are gold because they're ballers. Um, but the <laughs> the uh, their small ones, the twenty five ounce ones, and yeah, that's that's the first place I ever saw those, and I was like, yeah, thank God, because there's no way I could drink a full crowler of a Midnight Run beer. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I- great though yeah i mean for a beer like that exactly like you no one really needs 32 ounces and you can kind of charge a little bit less for it and make the consumer charge a little bit less or you know get a little bit better margin on a really high cost beer so yeah i think it's cool you know it's kind of like when breweries will do the 11 ounce pours instead of 13 ounce pours on like a high cost beer it makes sense for certain things yeah um jug bridge has the 25 ounce ones now too i those are the only two places i've ever seen them i love that crowler size i think if, I wonder if it's um, I wonder if that's partly a result of the crowler shortage too, because there were a few months earlier in the year where people I, were having trouble getting crowlers. I think Midnight Run always has, yeah, oh, and that and so, that may be a function of that. So many of their beers are eight, ABV, nine, yeah. ten, eleven, twelve yeah, percent ABV, sure. and like like me, yeah. um. And the other people who can't handle right. that. Yeah, that's still, that's still six ounces for everybody. That's plenty. You yeah. know? <laughs> so I, I think that may be why. I'll have to ask them. I'll be curious if, <laughs> if it had anything to do with COVID. But I'm pretty sure pre-COVID they were offering the 25-ounce yeah. ones. And I think it was because like people like me just can't yeah. handle uh, 32 ounces of a 10% sure. beer, which is almost 50% of their 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 draft lineup <laughs> but they also um they're one of the breweries that bought a gosling during this time Ooh, so they'll yeah. they'll be coming out with four packs of beer sure soon how much george hair ends up in every can of black flag beer <laughs> in the cans no <laughs> okay in the, in the pack text where i snap uh you know you snap the pack text on the cans yeah De- yeah definitely out there <laughs> Um, okay, um, I consider it a blessing if anyone's experienced that. You can call me directly and I'll compensate you with an extra piece of hair. <laughs> um, for anyone who has never seen George or is listening to this and not watching, George has an exceptional amount of hair. <laughs> it does It does turn up at the brewery, I will admit. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting old, so I'm starting to lose it now. I'm surprised I they don't hair net you as soon as you walk in. <laughs> Well, fortunately, I don't. I don't do any of uh, 
when I'm when I'm helping out with production, I tie it back. But okay. Fortunately, I'm just uh, I'm just a thinking guy, and I'm on the road nowadays, so not too much packing out for me. Um, you had mentioned that Black Flag has a bottle club coming out. Indeed. Can you tell yeah, me a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I'm pretty excited about this. It'll be a fun little venture. Um, you know, we are, we have a 20 barrel brew house. It kind of operates like a 15, but, um, so it's hard for us to do small. Wait, explain that first. Um, it's just, it's just the brand of brew house, um, and how the water efficiency works. Okay. It's we use the system. Okay. So it's a 22 barrel brew house, but for certain, for certain higher ABVs, it's not as efficient. Um, okay. But, Sorry, go back to bottle. <laughs> yeah, but so, you know, given that, like, it's hard for us to brew small quantities of beer. And sometimes to do, like, really weird and experimental and heavily flavored and intricate things, you kind of have to do a smaller volume of beer. Um, and as I, was, as I was just explaining, Chris, for our two barrel brights, we really can't can off those. It's just so inefficient. Um, so for a way for us to do, like, single barrel age beers, for a way for us to do really high ABV beers... Um, getting the bottling line enables us to have pretty efficient packaging runs um, where we're not taking on a ton of loss. So we can do those kind of fun, exciting beers without dumping a ton down the drain. Um, so we have a couple barrel aged beers on the docket and we have a couple high ABV stouts, um, perhaps another multi-varietal on the docket as well. Uh, and we'll be releasing these throughout the year, um, pretty much every quarter, essentially. Um, so if you're in the bottle club, you'll have first access to these. We have a custom glass for you. Um, but a lot of the beers that we'll be releasing through the bottle club, there will be a few extra bottles that will be going out to the general public. Um, and we do intend to release some other just bottles throughout the year that aren't necessarily bottle club only, but just, you know, fun bottles that we'll have. So um, it feels like over the past couple of years, there have been a few breweries that have kind of set the bottling trend in motion. And I think we're at a pretty good time for us to kind of venture to it. We have some ideas and we have some blended barrel aged beers kind of going right now that we intend to use in the future. So it should be pretty freaking cool. I'm pretty excited for it. It's the first time we've done like a club exclusive kind of thing at Black Flag. So I'm, the demand was pretty shocking. Um, we sold our memberships out in like two hours, which blew my mind. I thought it would take a couple days. Um, so there's a hundred memberships. Um, every member is given a bottle that they've already paid for. And yeah, they have, if you're a member, you also get liberty to grab extra bottles before they go to sale for the general public. I find it interesting that uh, craft breweries, um, once they destroyed the perception that uh, good beer is bottled, to, <laughs> to, to that um the perception that like even myself like i can't tell you the last time i bought yes. beer in a bottle um yep. although you know and well even even they're shifting to cans now uh yep. great lakes is probably yep. the last beer that because they make phenomenal beer so yep. their beer is so good like if you mm -hmm. want a beer style made perfectly great lakes is one of the places to go to and they bottle, but because of the trends, they're shifting the cans. Yeah. So now that that's happened, craft breweries have decided, you know what? I'm going to put my special beer in bottles now. Yep. <laughs> I, it is funny. I think it's, um, it kind of goes back to the optics thing. I think people just perceive if you have a 500 milliliter bottle 
that it's like, oh, this is specialty and like a yeah. little more nuanced. And you put some wax so, on it and exactly. And I mean parchment paper I, for I, the I don't have to be on the bush. Those, you know, the breweries selling those bottles, like they're sold at a little bit of a premium cost. Um so it's it's a good way to make exciting small batch volume that actually like makes sense for the brewery to do because it's like it's profitable enough because I, I guess this is weird thing like when you're talking about like labor hours and man hours like brewing a two barrel batch for like a place like black flag it pretty much requires the same labor as brewing a 20 barrel batch so it's like the, the the actual cost of producing that liquid is so much more when you do yeah. small batch beer so you kind of have to charge a premium and charging a premium on like 16 ounce cans or something it doesn't feel as good but if you do like a really nice artisanal, well thought out, hard labored, 500 milliliter, you know, Put some wax 12, on it, $16 bottle with wax. It's like all of a sudden that really kind of like hand to hand production, like fine touch, it starts to make sense and it works. Um, so, yeah, I, I credit people like Sapwood, Elder Pine um, and some others suspended even for making like the bottling thing a bit of a popular upcoming Aslan started to do that too a lot. Certainly, yes, absolutely, yeah. I um, one of my pretty crazy, but um, the beer is pretty sensational. I I admit that Aslan's stouts are some of the best I've ever had. Genuinely, I um, there's a brewery up in Pittsburgh. I've brought them up a lot because they're probably the first craft brewery in Pittsburgh that I ever experienced. It's East End Brewing. Mm -hmm. Um. And they've done a lot of really interesting, unique, cool things over the years. But one thing I used to – I love that they still do it, but it it's not quite as unique because they, they got away from the bottling part of it, and I think they can the beer. But every year they make a barley wine called Gratitude, and it was like a thank you to our customers. Yeah. And they would in, and like they were tiny for the longest mm-hmm. time. And they would have a bunch of volunteers come in to help with the bottling. And they were made with like almost paper mache sort of like plastered yeah. kind of onto the bottle. So like people come in and help them bottle. And then they were dipped in wax. Each year had um, a different colored wax. And I don't like barley wine, but I still mm-hmm. almost bought one when they like they had a vertical that they sold. And I think it was it may have been 10 years, but it may not have been that long. But because they always held back a certain amount every year, and, and they was, had like ten bottles from like the past years, like yeah. Whoa, so right? and then every year you could buy like a mixed pack of a vertical, and then like there was one year where they just sold, like they decided that we're gonna release all of our old ones, and I, I want to say it was ten years, but I don't think that's right. I think that's too long. Maybe it was five. <laughs> <laughs> where where you could buy the whole vertical yeah. of every version of it they had ever That's made awesome. yeah. and each year like it was a different bird on the packaging and they were just beautiful bottles just definitely yeah. Yeah. google google it whenever we're done talking there we'll or do. i mean do it now if you want to yeah. <laughs> um but the, like it was they're beautiful like just the bottle was almost as much of a piece of artwork like as yeah. the beer so it, i think they're there is that level of like you can do those extra cool things with a bottle mm-hmm. and make the the experience special, right? And all, just going off of that, I I'll, beyond that, I think it's almost essential. I think it's almost the responsibility. Like I give them a ton of credit. I think it's almost the responsibility of the brewery to be like, hey, 
we're charging you a little bit of a premium for this premium product. Like we want to, we want to dazzle you. Like that's, it's our job to make sure that this product meets the standards of what we're charging you for it. So um, yeah, I mean, any way you can kind of advance that feeling. Cause at the end of the day, beer is, it's as much of like a, a product as it is like an experience and a feeling and kind of sharing with those around you. And if you have a really nice bottle with a really nice fun kind of concept behind it, and you're able to kind of figure out what the people who made it, what their intent was with it, it just kind of elevates it all together. Oh, actually they even have on their website. Um, oh, it probably was 10 years. Cause they, they have, um, on their website, the definitive gratitude guide where they give a rundown of like what the bird was, what the color of the wax was and a, bu- a bunch of other. Oh, wow. Things. That's wild. Cause I was just, I was trying to find a photo. Um, yeah, I think I, they have one on the page, but it's kind of small and grainy. Yeah. That looks cool though. Those, those bottles do look great. And the, the um the owner is cool. one of the nicest guys I've ever met too. Awesome guy, Scott Smith. Um, I've also I, I need to do another episode yeah, with them. It looks that look and feels super classy. I love that. Here I think I've oh there we go. Um, if you actually now I feel at this point like I have to post this photo with this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if you're watching. You will now see there's... Yep, that's the one I'm looking at. That's the... Um, it's so cool. So what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I, I think it must have been 10 years. So when they hit 10 years, they did... You could buy the full spectrum of everything they had. It was like Very 250 cool. bucks or something like that. And like yeah. I wanted it so bad. I was like, I don't like barley wine at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would be buying it purely just because I think it's yeah, just because the idea behind it. Just because I think it's a cool idea. <laughs> it's really cool. I like that. Absolutely. Um, but so I so you should do something like that. Save some and then do a vertical sometime. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into it. We did start doing that a little bit. Like we just held not anywhere near to the same extent, but um we held back like five cases of black mage. And we just sold those over the weekend, a uh, little okay. pop-up release on Saturday and people went crazy for it. So, um, it's, um, it's tough though. I think, um, there's a balance to like holding back vintage beer. And then it's like, at the same time, like, you know, it's a business and you kind of need to make your profits on the yeah. production you did. So, um, kind of comes, you know, it's like, it goes back to like, Hey, if, as long as what you're doing is good and you find your kind of niche and your image then roll with it and people will dig it so what else does black flag have on the horizon uh, a couple more fun projects that are coming down that i'm excited about we are doing mylar warlock which is kind of the keystone to the wizard series it's going to be another triple ipa um, that one will be out in early january so are you all nerds? Are you the nerd? Brian's the nerd? Or like... um, Brian is definitely a nerd, and I'm definitely a nerd as well. Okay. Um, a lot of the gaming and nerdy reference beers definitely come from us. Um, the Wizard series was my concept. It was kind of like I came up with it like late last year, and it was kind of like we were getting to a point where we kind of were honed in on like what 
people liked from us, what we did well. And I felt like we were at a point where we kind of had like all this artwork and all these concepts and they were kind of like darting in all different directions. And it felt like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's slow down for a second. Like, how do we like bring this all together and come up with like a series of beers where they're all different from each other, but they're all similar enough to where people will be like, oh yeah, like that's that series from Black Flag. Like, this is the new one. I got to try it. I love the last one. Um, and it just felt like Mylar Wizard did so well for us. And I think wizardry is like a very marketable thing. And with nerds, it like makes sense. And <laughs> brewing beer can be a, lizard, a little wizardly. Um, so it was just kind of like, you know, let's roll with this kind of like wizard series. Um, Flame Wizard, I specifically chose so people would literally use flame emojis. Um, so it, it's almost sometimes like simpler than you even think. Van, but, uh, Vanish came out with a beer named uh, Fire Emoji. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's a weird thing where, like, you know, people post it, they start spamming emojis, it looks yeah. fun, and you kind of, it just, like, it's like the little things kind of just, like, trying to relate to people and get them excited about your product so they kind of sell it for you, so to say. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, um, we've started doing a little more of the series beers. Um, we got the 2020 series. Next year, we'll be doing the template series. Um, and the template series actually stemmed from an um, MD beer conversation where people were asking, like, hey, why don't breweries just, like, add more information on their cans? Like, why can't I know all the hops and all the malts and, like, the gravity and all? Like, why can't I just have all this information? Do so people for, really care about that, though? Like, most people? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't. Uh, but I, like, but I literally I, could care less. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll just scrap my idea that no like i that. know like <laughs> there's there's a lot of breweries that do that and i'm just wondering right. like i because yeah. I, I perfectly realize that i'm like i i'm not a normal beer drinker like i sure, yeah. i think it's um i think the people that do care really appreciate it and the that people that sense. don't care i think it's just another thing on the label you yeah. kind of just yeah, you're whatever. not gonna, like you're not um, like I'm not gonna drink this beer. They told me what's in it. <laughs> right, but I think it's like with so many breweries and like so many hazy IPAs, for example, it's like I think guiding people to understand why they like one product over another um, benefits people that are doing a really good job. And it's not to dismiss anybody, but if you're making really high quality, true to style, consistent beer. It's almost like you want to tell people like, hey, 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 like, I'm not trying to be an ass, but like, this is really what it's supposed to be like. And let me give you the information of why it is like this. So in the future, you can be a little more informed when you make your next decision. Like, unless you're like reading all the hops and like reading all the malts and talking to people who know a little bit more than you, you really can't figure it out. It's like pretty complicated. Like, I feel like I know very little about like beer and I've been dealing with beer for four plus years now. So yeah. I can only imagine as a consumer where there's like not there's kind of a veil of information between like the production world and what hits your shelf. And I guess it's like I would like to kind of uh, lift that veil a little bit. And the, the thing is, though, like I've I feel like the hop used has become less and less of a marketing point for hazy IPAs and stuff lately. I would agree, yeah. That, like, you know, for a while it was like Galaxy, Galaxy, yeah, this has Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now there isn't nearly as much of a big deal made about what hop is being used. You yeah, think that's I from? Agree. 
do you think that's from people getting burned from that one year of Galaxy Hops just being yeah. awful? And... I actually think that's a huge component of it. Um, I think it's more than that too. I think it, I think it has to go with like the way I view it. I don't. There are only a few hops that I think are like kind of offensive to me. Um, Idaho seven. What's up? Idaho, Idaho, Idaho seven. seven. Offensive. I, I love well. Idaho seven. <laughs> so it's like I think it's like more how people use it. Like Sabro doesn't oh. really align with me very well. Um, but like True Respite just did their anniversary Sabro Deepa, and it was a really good IPA. I mean, it was good. I just don't like Sabro. So I think it's like if the breweries are making good beer, the hops don't matter as much. Whereas it used to be the case where the breweries making like the best hazies were only using Citra and Galaxy. Now everybody's using Citra and Galaxy or Mosaic. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's not as special because some bad IPAs are using these hops now too. It's not just like the cool, exclusive, expensive club, I guess is like the way I kind of put it. But that no, makes I, sense. Think, I think that bad Galaxy crop, I mean, I can tell you as a brand from Black Flag, we were using Galaxy a ton and we've been really lightening up our usage as a result directly of that crop so yeah yeah because even when it was horrible you were still having to pay like 30 dollars a pound for it right and then you I get funny yeah and then you get in an almost unusable product yeah like we we would have batches where we would be adding like for like a 20 barrel you know in the blend we'd add like you know 22 44 pounds of galaxy or whatever and it was like you know this is like really green and gross so we were dropping it down to like 11 pounds in the dry hop of galaxy alongside like citra mosaic and it's like at 11 pounds it was actually solid like it, it wasn't overly offensive but yeah, Black Flag is not the only brand that ran into Galaxy issues. I know that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I saw plenty yeah, of breweries. Sapwood had trouble with it. Uh, I forget who else said they were having trouble with Galaxy. But, yeah, it's numerous people. Numerous people. Yeah, I mean, I you were, there were a lot of people I had talked to that hadn't even posted publicly about getting in right. subpar that said to me, too, like that it was just – it was 2018, right? Was that the crop year? Yeah, you're correct. Um. Yeah, because we I was actually it was funny because we used 2017 for a batch and I was like, oh, why can't we use the fresh stuff? And it's like, no, trust me. Yeah, don't <laughs> use that use, one. We want to use the 17. It's good. <laughs> Are there any trends in craft beer that you just absolutely hate and you wish it would go away? Mm, absolutely hate and wish it would go away. I'm not that. I'm generally not that kind of a guy. I like if there's something that really annoys me and I think it's like an inaccuracy of truth. I know that sounds goofy, but like it's like, oh, why do people like this? They're so silly. Like, I guess for me, it's like, well, I'm just going to try to convince them that they're wrong, not just call them idiots. Um, so I don't there's nothing really I kind of it's funny because a lot of people complain about where beer is. There's nothing I really dislike about beer right now. Um, I don't I don't know. There's nothing I really dislike, I guess. I would like the, so the only thing that actually upsets me about beer is when people call their hazy IPAs, hazy IPAs, and they're clear, but it's like, I don't know if it's like a production issue or they don't know what they're doing. But what if, what if all of the, what if all the flavor profile in the body and everything match Mm -hmm. what a hazy IPA should be? And it just is clear instead of, so I would argue that it can't, if the beer is clear. I don't think it can match if the beer is clear. You just don't like. There's there's have, a saturation in there, and I it have, just isn't the same. I have definitely had 
clear hazy IPAs that tick every box except for the clarity of the beer itself. Yeah. I have not had that experience. I'm I'm a bit particular. I I find that the haze saturation is so much of softening the hop the hoppiness and adds so much to like the mouthfeel that uh, I I haven't experienced that. I'm not saying they don't exist. Um, I think flavor profile you can get pretty close on, but I don't think you can match like the texture. And I think for me that's why I like hazies because of the texture more mm -hmm. so than the than the flavor necessarily. Um, but I mean, things happen. Black Flag a couple years ago, we released a couple hazy IPAs that were not hazy. Um, but it's it's beyond that. Like I'm more talking about some of the large macro brands that are just slapping it on the can yeah. to sell it. And it's like, yeah, they're using modern trendy hops. Yeah, it's like unfiltered and kind of cloudy. Oh, I know but who you're talking about. Actually, get like that haze generation. It's like a specific process, um, and it's done in a very particular way. And if you're not going to do that, then just don't call the beer that, I guess. Yeah. Um, I would argue that people need to stop complaining about beers they don't like being made and being popular. That's actually so good. Yes. <laughs> yes. That. Yeah, that actually is my complaint. It's like, dude, send me a message. I will find you the crispy lager you're looking for. Please yeah. message me. I'll find you the best quad in the state. Just message me. I got all the answers. I am, yeah, no, you're completely right, man. Like Idiom, they put out tons and tons of hazy IPAs yeah. and sour beer. They just put out an amazing Hellas Lager. Yeah, I love their Kolsch. Yeah, their Kolsch is really good, too. But you've mentioned Ben Little a few times. Yep. They have your dessertiest of pastry stouts, yep. the thickest of your fruit puree beers and yep. hazy beers galore and amazing lagers. Yep. Got some dark lagers, got some wild fermented Fodor age sours. Yeah. Full got, tilt. Yeah. We'll cram a ton of candy into a sour beer and they sell an absolutely sell an absolutely amazing lager. It's so true. I, you, there's not a brewery in the state that doesn't tackle some of these quote unmade styles. Like yeah. they're out there. I'll concede there's not 20 pilsners on the shelf from every brewery in America. But why do you like there there aren't that many different flavors of a pilsner? Exactly. Like you don't need that many options of a pilsner. Like you just yeah. get a good one. <laughs> and the thing is, there's still a ton of good ones too. There's yeah. still a dozen of them. Almost um, every brewery, every brewery that makes the hype beers and the trendy beers has an amazing yeah. pilsner too. Imprint Brewery, they they make beers that are very, but you can barely pour them. They almost clump. <laughs> they have an absolutely amazing Czech pilsner. Stop oh, cool. complaining about what other people like. Let yes. them enjoy their sugar-saturated beer Excellent. and yeah. enjoy what you enjoy. Everyone will be much more happy. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. That is something I overlooked. I'm, I'm in 100% agreement. There is, there's something out there for everybody. Um, but I no one should that. ever make a smoked beer. <laughs> that's where i draw the I, line <laughs> I, I do too actually not even joking but uh i can do like four ounces of a roush beer but those those hit me kind of hard i'm also opposed to peated whiskey 
I like oh, I, I, I'm like a sweet whiskey. Kind I hate peated not. whiskey too. I just don't like that that smoked flavor in liquids. Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly. the same way. I love, I, I love smoked meats, but give me like a nice Belgian double to drink with my smoked meat. You know. Yeah. Um, but I'm the same thing. Like I can't stand a PD whiskey. I like yeah. what it, I, it, Isla, 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 yeah. whatever, however you say that word properly, I pronounce everything wrong. So it's no surprise <laughs> that I, that I wouldn't know how to say that properly, but PD scotch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's no reason to ever make a, a, a smoked beer but i'm not i mean, actually i probably will make fun of someone who like them because i hate them that much but i'm not going to say they shouldn't be made just right. don't offer hey, me one at the end of the day if you as a brewer or an owner really want to make a style and you're confident you can sell through it then do it but you know obviously the consumer has to keep it in perspective that a brewery can't just make weird quirky styles and stay afloat you just yeah. can't brew large batches of uncommon beer and do well it's tough so you know that's why i give a ton of credit to places like elder pine uh silver branch uh chesapeake i mean these are breweries that are doing pretty old school clean and doing well and they're doing well exactly like there's room for it you know if everybody just made hell's lagers yeah no one would sell any hell's lagers and the thing too like if you go things that sell for them it'll all work out and if you go into a brewery and they have three fruited sours, five hazy IPAs, and then a, one lager, just order that one lager if that's what you want. <laughs> Who cares if the majority of what they're selling is not what you want? If they have what you want, just get that and be happy. <laughs> or, I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I'm thinking, like, on a Saturday when I want to go to a brewery, I'll just peep a few tap lists, be like, oh, they have a few beers I want. I go there. You yeah, know? that works too. At the end of the day, like if you are demanding that there's more classic beers and stuff, just spend all your money on the breweries doing that. And I assure you, that's your best likelihood to be yeah, successful. And they will keep making keep it. it. Yeah, they will. <laughs> people want to produce beer that's going to sell. If people were drinking quads like they drink hazy IPAs, we'd be making a ton of quad yeah. We just would. Because would. turns out a brewery is a business and business <laughs> owners like money. Because <laughs> yeah, that's what it takes to keep a bre- paycheck. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> it's weird how that works. Wild. What is a trend in in beer that you wish there was more of? I think we're slowly getting there. Um, I'm really digging a lot of the off multi style barrel aged beers. So, like our barley wine's a decent example. Um, where Adaka had a, a barrel age ESB called the Whistler, like late last year or early this year, I forget. Um, things like that. Um, I think some of the new breweries too, like Steinhardt, uh, they're pretty big into the multi styles. I'm excited to see if they do some barrel aging stuff. Um, but yeah, really, I think definitely the multi barrels, which is overall barrel aging. I've been loving a lot of sapwood sours. Um, I really enjoyed elder pines new sour uh that was barrel aged um i'm enjoying some of the fodor play we're seeing like ben little and elder pine they both have some wooden fodors that they age stuff in wardaka uh, is also doing great stuff with their fooders i haven't had many other fooders but like i said that the whistler esb they did i was drinking it over at gillies i think it was late last year i was just like this is amazing like this is the kind of stuff i want like nice complex malt you know um 
I like the hazies and all that, but more and more I just gravitate towards easy drinking multi stuff. A little bit of sweetness, a little bit of wood age. Uh, it's kind of my go-to. What is the best thing that 2020 has brought you? Because I'm just going to assume there's a whole bunch of crap. So name something. Yeah. Name something good. Related to like Black Flag and beer, or just in general? Uh, both. One of each. The best thing for, in beer. And then the best thing the for yourself. Thing in beer 2020 has got me. I think um I think with the shift of being a little more taproom oriented for to-go sales and like being a brand shifting to packaging and not and me not doing events as much, it kind of shifted my role within the company so that I have a little more um managerial say and kind of I, I can like make, I can call shots now. I feel like I have a little more control over like our systems and production. And like, I feel like I'm a little more entrenched in how we operate, um, which I think is, I like it. I, I like having a little bit of that power, honestly, but more importantly than that, I think I'm well equipped to execute well for black flag. Um, so I'm just grateful that the way the year has shifted has put me in a position where I think I can do a better job for black flag, given that I have a little more responsibility. Oh. If you kind of, Get what I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm very excited. I'm, I'm, I feel like the past few months I've had some really good ideas that have been successful and I'm, I'm excited to see if me and our brewer can kind of push forward into the new year and keep that up. So awesome. Um, as far as like personal gains. Um, so I got my car fixed last week as I, we actually had to reschedule this. Um, first time in a year, my check engine light hasn't been on. I'm not trolling. I, <laughs> so good about that i feel secure on the road um it's tough man i drive around a lot so for me to like leave my car in the shop for like two days to get yeah. it fixed is... so i finally got a fix this is like the second time i took it to the shop to get the same issue fixed i took it back before our anniversary um so yeah my car's fixed i'm feeling good no I'm check engine to... lights <laughs> yeah That's no lights on the dash at all <laughs> that's i i don't think i could drive around with a check engine light on it would cause so much anxiety in my how much stress yeah although i do have one that turns on every once in a while because some some evap thing so i just turn it yes mine was an evap issue okay Um, aware of it it wasn't too damning um i just had to find the time to take it in so i'm just you know glad it's all settled i'm feeling good ready for 2021 (laughs) all right um, do you have anything else you want to cover or talk about? Um, I think we covered the big talking points. So, um, yeah, I think we, I think we covered some important things on the horizon for black flag, got a little insight into what I do and kind of how we're, we're operating moving forward. How do people find black flag? Uh, best place to check out black flag is on Instagram or Facebook. We are black flag brewing co. Um, so black flag brewing company, just co dot. Um, we post updates regularly. We have a new beer every week. Um, our tap room is operating safely and at limited capacity. We will be open um, through the whole season unless anything with COVID changes. Um, so we have a release every Friday, small batch beers to go. So come on by, swing by if you haven't checked us out. We're available at retailers across Maryland as well. Um, so yeah. If District East really- always has a nice selection of Black Flag supporters in frederick really good guys over there um if you can't find our beer on the shelves at your local shop feel free to message us on facebook um we can reach out and see what we can do or just talk to the shop and be like hey any way you could get some black flag beers in here i've heard a good thing i'd like to try them out so 
Yeah. But thanks everybody who has been supporting us or has any curiosity. And Chris, thank you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for spending your uh, Christmas Eve afternoon with me. Absolutely. I'm uh, feeling good now. Like, you know, I got a beer in me. Got to uh, go enjoy some Christmas Eve dinner, crack a nice bottle of French wine. Nice. It's going to be a good evening. Look so, at, yeah, look at you, Mr. Fancy day. over there. <laughs> I'm going to drink some barley wine, too, so it's all good. All right. Come back and slum it with our beer drinkers. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you so much, George. Yeah, thanks, thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Cheers. I'll talk to you all soon. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.